Welcome to a Longer Table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. My friend Ivy is sitting here at the table with me today, and we are so excited to chat about so many things. Uh, We're going to talk about how she describes herself and her faith um, as a womanist of God. We're going to get into her career in politics and and just get into some nitty gritty questions that I have about politics because it's something that she is an expert on and I am uh, about as Uh, dumb as they come. I don't have a better way of saying that. I really need to get informed. And so we're going to talk about things that matter, community activism, uh, being an advocate in our own communities, and just other advice that she has. So Ivy, welcome to A Longer Table. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super pumped because when we did our Instagram live conversation months ago, it was really fun. I got a lot of great feedback um, and you're just great. So we met through Soul City Church, uh, feels like forever ago. It probably was several years ago now, at, at least. least. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've stayed in touch and our friendship has evolved and it's been fun just kind of getting to know you over the years organically um, and learning from you. I am continually inspired by just your pursuit of justice and your dedication to, I mean, a lot of people nowadays, it's become kind of a trendy thing to be like a quote unquote justice warrior or justice seeker or whatever you want to call it. Um, but you, you really live that out and you live it out by entering the world that I stay away from as much as possible, which is politics. So I'm, I'm just pumped that we get to, t- to have this conversation. Before we go there, I want to first talk about who you are as a woman um, and as a, as a person and your faith. And so you describe yourself as a womanist of God. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share what exactly that means. What is a womanist of God? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Starting from the scratch, most people would say woman of God. I think everyone knows that. Um, and I like to take a step further to add my political view, which is by prioritizing those that are at the bottom of the totem pole, the love and support spreads upwards. So in any political situation, I'm always going to go to the bottom, advocate for that person. And if we're advocating for that person, it's all going to be good going upwards to whoever is on the top of the situation, right? So in society, Black women are seen as the the bottom of the totem pole, um, primarily because gender equity, women are usually um, more discriminated against than men. And then when it comes to race, Black people historically have been discriminated against for years now. So when you're a Black woman and you're both, you tend to be seen as at the bottom of the totem pole in society. Um, So when I'm going to any situation, I'm always thinking about how can I center and empower Black woman in everything I do, because by doing that, I'm really supporting and empowering everyone. And I guess like this, you could call this the equity framework to my relationship with God. Um, I really believe that God wants us to do um, work for the, the, the people who are at the bottom. Um, I think this is the, less of, the least of these. Um, and throughout the Bible, uh, you see that time and time again where those are the people who are prioritized, those are the people who are sought after um, in crowds. Mm. You know, so I think that for me, my daily crowd is just like everyday society. And I really try to see like, who's in the bottom of this room? So let's say a black woman wasn't at the bottom of the room. 
I would see like what people of color are in the room. How can I advocate for them? What are their needs? How can I put that into whatever I'm doing, saying, advocating for, creating? And that's just really how I apply everything I do. Yeah. So would you, so is it safe to say like womanist of God, that, that, uh, description, that, that phrase is a little bit synonymous with someone who cares about quote unquote, the least of these, which I know that phrase gets a bad rap because we don't want to call anyone lesser or, or that, but, but to your point about society and culture and, and all of that history, even playing into the narrative of who's at the bottom. Those are the people that you feel called and desire to pull up and to look after and to fight for. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are, are scared of saying that, but it's really saying people who aren't, uh, who are worthy, but for some reason aren't being invested in, aren't being prioritized. Um, and so I think that I tie womanist to of God because honestly, I can't advocate or help anyone without his power. It's all mm. through in the end. Mm. It's beautiful. Well, I, I love that this like all ties together, like every aspect of this conversation as I was thinking about what I what questions I wanted to ask you and what we were going to talk about. I mean, it's not like they're categorized. It truly is just kind of all of you, um, which is really, really cool. And for as long as I have known you, you've worked in politics. And I, I'm curious to start with what led you to that? Like, were you as a kid, did you dream of working in politics? Was that always something you had exposure to? Or is it something that you think was cultivated? Like, was it nurture? Was it nature? And do you think it has anything to do with who you are as a black woman? So really, really interesting um, question because I actually wanted to be a fashion designer. I'm pretty sure I made, I sold my first juicy suit. It was red. I thought I was going to be like, JLo would wear it and the pockets were backwards. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm actually really creative. I paint, um, I build things a lot, um, but I, I felt really called. So this was a conviction thing. And um, for me, I felt like when I was on my campus at school, there are a lot of privileges that I had by having really educated parents that, that, that the students next to me that I was in a relationship with that were people of color didn't have. And that really confused me. Like, why, why don't we have the same um, level of education or the same access, the same information? Or, you know, some people couldn't even pay for their tuition for the next class. And like, I could, right? Um, and so I was just like, why is this happening? Um, and I think I specifically felt that way because I've always kind of struggled with different um, mental health learning problems. Um, but I was getting way more support than others who didn't have them. And that just it just didn't mesh up to me. So I remember taking a class called Inequality and I read a book called Unequal Childhoods. And in that book, it talked about cultural competency, mm -hmm. the idea that you are literally just born and the trajectory of your life is different depending on the family you're born into. So it has nothing to do with what you did. Mm -hmm. And that was wild to me. And it stuck with me. I still have the book. Um, it's by Annette LaRoe mm. till this day. Um, and I just like, really, you're just born into like one or two situations. I could have been born into, you know? Um, and I remember I graduated early and I was a CPS teacher for literally six months. And I'll never forget, I, I watched a very smart Latinx teenager. She was in IB classes and uh, had straight A's, but a teacher was yelling at her because um, she was talking. She was done with her homework early and wasn't challenged. 
And um, the way he was yelling at her was like not even human, right? And mm-hmm. it, it was obviously a trigger for her. Uh, she had mentioned before that she came from an abusive home where everyone was yelling and um, she just couldn't take it. So she walked out of school uh, and they called the police. And I was mortified. But she told me she wasn't scared, that she'd been arrested before, that nobody's gonna boss her around. But as she said all those kind of um, strong defense me- mechanisms, mm-hmm. I could see a lot of pain in her eyes. She felt very alone, misunderstood, helpless. Um, and kind of from that day onwards, I-, I committed my life to work towards a society where no one feels that way. It was just, mm-hmm. it was, I don't wanna say that I saw myself in that moment, but. I could just tell that she was fending for herself and she didn't ask to, to have this trigger where she came from an abusive home and couldn't be yelled at. Like other students could be yelled at and they were fine, but she right. wasn't. And that led her to being arrested. Like right. what? Right. Um, really bothered me. And um, honestly, that led me to leaving teaching and entering, going to law school to become um, an education lawyer and represent students. And then from there, I just kept on finding more and more inequities and I just kept on going until. Um, it's, it's as if I'm just trying to find the answer. What is the answer? I want to understand all the systems so I can get to the real core of what we need to do for our communities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that story, even though it breaks my heart because I, I resonate from my own life experience as a teacher, watching kids that were, um, the most defiant, disrespectful, or, or, you know, not saying that she was one of those students, but let's say from that teacher's perspective, perhaps she was, um, they're, they're oftentimes the ones who need love the most, right? The kids who, who are asking for it in the worst ways, like that's how we should be looking at it versus they're just like defiant, bad behaved children. Um, and I love that you make the point too, about like, she can't help the family she comes from. And so she can't help what triggers her. And, and yet none of us can just like, I, I have lately been thinking about, and, and we don't have to get too deep into this, but I've been thinking about how, many people are born into privilege and like, no one's asking you to feel guilty for that. There's nothing wrong with that, but how you use it is, is your responsibility. And it's, um, really important. So it's like, it's both, you know, the good and the bad. Um, it's the whole spectrum, but as you've been in politics and you've evolved in this career, what's been the most challenging part for you? Cause I have some assumptions, but I want to just hear from you as far as what the most challenging part of your work is. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I don't, I don't want to use a political word, but it's called red tape. Um, the, the systems and how many loops we have to go through, it's hard to get things done in the time that needs to be done with the funds and the capacity needed to do it well. Um, so a lot of times you're hitting up against a lot of boundaries um that you didn't even know was there in order to do what you feel like the community needs um and i also want to say there are a lot of people who prefer arguing over listening mm. a lot of egos and um i'm just gonna say it, a lot of white men and mm. whiteness is at the center of our political system it's at the center of our legal system and even our democracy system. So I think for me, the challenge is I'm not white and these systems weren't created for me to work in. Um, So I think it is hard trying to change systems that weren't created to be changed. Yeah. 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. If you don't mind, would you give an example of a system? It can be big, small, anything at all across the spectrum that maybe a lot of people don't realize is wrong because they benefit from it currently, but yet it's harmful or oppressive or yeah, just made for a specific people group. Um, so I can give you like an overall example um, that you know, came out from the federal that we, we didn't know would have a, a, a pushback on our communities. But um, when they, they created this program with good intentions uh, to help people keep um, their employees on payroll. Okay. Great intentions, right? Um, they decided that it'd be easiest to have people go to their banks in order to sign up for the program and get access to it. Sounds great. Like taking out all the middlemen, go to your bank, what they didn't realize is that a lot of um, people of color and in disinvested neighborhoods don't have a good relationship with their banks. Some of them don't have a bank account. Right. Yep. They don't have debit cards. So now you're asking them to go to a bank that they may not have a relationship with. And then also some banks, it's, a, it's about golfing. It's about the big boys. It's, it's a huge, big corporate club. Mm-hmm. So now those people didn't have the relationships. This is the only way that they can go and try to get into this program because we took, we, we took government out of it. So you had to go to the bank mm-hmm. to even get into the program. So, so now the access that they're supposed to have isn't there. Right. right? Um, and they don't have relationships with these banks. And then these banks are the gatekeepers to a mm-hmm. lot of money. Yeah. And what we saw was a lot of the money went to, um, the cha- uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest Shake Shack got a lot of money and everyone always talks about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like what, <laughs> you know? Um, and when I was talking to a lot of my businesses about, okay, you need to, you need to pick a bank, get close to them, talk to them, have them know your business, know what your needs are. That was a foreign concept. Yeah. Yeah. So now like we're, we, we did a program in the middle of the pandemic where people need money now and they're, they're like still trying to catch up to getting those relationships to get, it just was, it was a mess. Um, the, the, the federal government is doing things to change that now. Um, as we speak, uh, yesterday, as well as today, they're prioritizing smaller banks, um, who usually do have relationships with minority businesses. Um, so we're going to see if that works better, but it's just little things like that. that you don't think through, you assume that everyone has a relationship with the bank, Mm -hmm. but banks are scary places for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And what's true of my experience with different kids in our care throughout the years is that they don't have anyone who's led them or modeled for them um, having a, a bank account with a debit card, how to manage their finances. So financial literacy um, for a lot of these kids who come from uh, impoverished situations or communities that lack resources you you just see this uh, generational cycle, and I could that to- so your example makes perfect sense. That's something that I I would hear about that program and be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing! They've made it so easy, but it's not for someone who the the starting line for them is so much further back, and we have to you know level the playing field and find ways to to make it accessible for everyone. So yeah, that totally makes sense. That yeah. would be extremely challenging. Um, like on an, another thing that you just made me think about is why do we have bank accounts? It's for direct deposit and not all 
jobs have direct deposit. Also, if you're, you need an amount in your account to keep it open. If you're paycheck to paycheck, you literally get paid and your money goes towards bills. You don't have an amount to keep in the bank to like swipe on. Like, so I think those are things that we didn't fully think through. And I think that there's an assumption that when you have a business um, that you, you aren't paycheck to paycheck, but that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. On the flip side, um, uh, you know, there's so many challenges that you didn't even name, but I'm glad you were able to share a few. Uh, on the flip side, what's the most rewarding part of working in politics? What what keeps you going when you want to quit? Because there's got to be a lot of times you want to throw in the towel. Honestly, it's 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 two part. Um, there are people I work with and relationships I've built that, to their core, they want to make a difference and um, have made peace with being uncomfortable to get there. And that's a huge thing that I want to repeat. Have made peace with being uncomfortable to get to change. Mm. It is not a comfortable process at all. You're calling out things that you don't want to call out. Um, you're annoying to some because you're always pushing on a different policy or program. Um, you're also building relationships and trying to learn communities that you may not be a part of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's messy. It just is. And, it, and, it, um, and people want to be comfortable in their job, especially when you're doing it nine to five. Um, but it's not. And there are amazing people I've met that are just doing the work tirelessly and, and they really inspire me um, that it's, it's worth it to stay in the game. And then on the other end, it's the people that we serve, right? Uh, I had someone email me the other day and she was just like, I am so glad you let me, you helped me apply for this program. I didn't know this program was available. I didn't know I could even um, sign up or I was eligible and I got $10,000. Wow. And, and, you know, for some, some businesses will say 10,000 is not enough. We're in a big hole. But for her, that was huge that she got money from the government, the grant. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was able to help her because she, she, she didn't even know how to use a computer. So I literally sat through to her to like get her documents and her tax documents, walk through that. And like, it was a huge difference to her and gave her a lot of hope in a time where a lot of people are giving up. Um, so it's those moments that also I'm like, it's, it's worth it even for the one, you know? Yeah. 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 You just made me think too. There are so many people in my circles that their parents are business owners and therefore now they're business owners. And, and again, you see this generational like capital built up. Um, and again, that's not a bad thing. That's not something anyone should feel guilty about or, or like that's not a problem itself. But it's like, of course, they know to apply for these things because they have mom or dad or somebody saying, you know, hey, do this things. But if you're a first generation college student or if you're a first generation business owner or if you're a first generation, you know, whatever, you're the first in your family to kind of break from whatever's yep. been handed down to you, which for a lot of people is nothing, right. then it is a struggle. And and I have so much respect and admiration for people um, who are doing it. And I love that you get to work with them directly and you get to uh, help push them forward. That definitely would be super rewarding. I'd be, it would not surprise me if one day you ran for a, a very big position in office, whether that's like governor or heck, even the presidency. Um, is that something you aspire to do someday? So I always laugh at this question because a lot of people say that they see me be so active and they're like, of course she like wants to run for office. And, um, honestly, like I have thought about it. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent. I think it would have to be, uh, the right timing and be in the right place in my life. Right. Um, but if I did, it would definitely be for something local. I am such a people person. 
Mm-hmm. I want to get to know communities in a really intimate way. I love to just go by grocery stores and have conversations with my neighbors and people around me. I love to show up on the block, empower youth, um, listen to people's needs, uh, build plans and solutions with the community, not just with um, you know privileged people. I, I really like to be on the bottom, and that's also called something called deep canvassing, which um, anyone can do. So. It's something that people who are politically active and in a community do. And it's, it's really just about getting to know who's around you, your neighbors, friends, grocery store people. Who do you see on a daily basis and uh, what's going on in their lives? What do they need? How can you advocate for them? How could you bring people together? Um, and, and I say my whole life is a, a big, deep canvas. <laughs> Anyone I meet, I want to one-on-one them and, and know the ins and outs um, and make connections I love that. That long-term investment into the community any of us represent is is what it's about for me. So if that ended up being a run, then awesome. But if I couldn't do that, then I it wouldn't be the the role for me. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I have not heard that concept of the deep canvas and I love it. I think it goes hand in hand with a longer table. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in the meantime, you know, one of the things you're up to presently is heart for change. So your last name is heart H A R T. Yeah. Um, heart for change is something that you created. It's a company. I want to know what you do and who you serve. What is the mission of heart for change? Yeah. So I can say it in three words, fuel your passion. So whether your passion is running for office, building your own business, a nonprofit, or being the best professional in your job, I consult with you to create a plan and give you the fuel that helps you execute your goals. So I think for me, it goes back to what I said about, um, her name was Jackie in school. I, I really believe that I, I don't want anyone in community to feel alone, misunderstood, not supported. So this is a place for that. If you have a passion you want to execute on, I can help you create a plan. I'm a partner. I'm, I'm a buddy, a best friend, you know, um, to really just help you execute on those things with an equity goal. So a lot of times we build things and we don't know how it's um, impacting society, impacting people around us. Uh, sometimes we do things and it can have a social impact, but we don't even know how to, how to create that or implement it. Um, so I help people with their passions, but also how can this impact society for, for good and, and for a positive, um, a positive change. Uh, so example, with a longer table, um, right now you're on Instagram and a lot of people know about you or it's more than Instagram because it's a podcast. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, that's okay. But in general, like, let's say that you weren't really diverse about who your speakers would be. Mm-hmm. I would help you expand, connect you with people, connect you with groups to get a diverse outlook on your speakers because that would be a more social impact of a longer table. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You're already there, girl, you got it. But I mean, <laughs> if you didn't, and you're just like, I'm going to start a podcast called Longer Table, I would help you think about how do we diversify who's on there? How do we yep. diversify the topics? Yep. How do we diversify even where you promote those things that people don't always bring into um, what their plans are when they're starting something. Yeah. That's so cool. Again, just so it, it, all I can say is it makes sense. If you know, Ivy, that makes sense. Um, (laughs) do you mostly work with individuals or companies or is it sort of just depends and you're open to all of the above? So it depends. Um, a couple years ago when I started without branding, I'm just to test it out. I, I actually had a campaign in Gary, Indiana, um, 
it was, I mean, we, we tried to do a deep canvas. Hard <laughs> about funds. So also thinking about like, what does it take to fundraise? Um, knowing that some communities don't like to give money over the phone, right? you know? Um, so that was my first like social impact campaign and it was a political campaign. And this black man wanted to be mayor of Gary, Indiana. So I supported him in that and, and creating an equitable campaign plan, which doesn't always happen. Um, and then That's on the flip cool. side, I have also helped a white woman in, um, it was deep in Kansas, I believe. And um, she wanted a campaign, but she wanted a campaign to call out white privilege. Hmm. She didn't even know where to start with that. And I, I was like, bold vision girl. Um, yeah. Um, but we built that together. So those have been, you know, individuals, but also their teams. And then just recently, I've been working with since last October 2019, um, a healthcare incubator business. So he wanted to start a business. He wanted to be around black innovation and healthcare and We've been building it for a year and making sure that social impact was involved. And that's been an awesome thing to build as well. So it just really varies. Um, this month, I have two individuals that want me to help them create the perfect stump speech. So the perfect speech to announce their candidacy, but they want it to be filled with equity and to really speak to uh, people of color. So yeah. That's really great. What a what a cool like merging of of all that all that, that you stand for and all that you love and all that you're good at. Um, which speaking of things you're good at, you're, you're great and passionate about community activism. Where does that stem from? I mean, I know you've spoken to this a little bit already, but like, take it, a, take it a step further. Why not only are you so passionate about community activism, but why should anyone care about their local community? I, again, I feel like this might be maybe like, I want to ask the dumb questions or the the questions that make people feel awkward, but I, I think people actually need to hear it because, um, for example, I'll, I'll just wrap myself out here. I still love Starbucks. I still get my Starbucks. I'm trying to work on uh, prioritizing our local coffee shop. We have a little corner coffee shop called Jumpy Mean. You know, Ivy, but for my listeners, it's amazing. I love their iced mochas. I get an iced mocha from Starbucks when I go there. I get an iced mocha from Jumping Bean when I go there. Uh, the price is almost the same. And it's actually a little bit cheaper here at our local one. And Eric is always like, babe, you should always be getting them at Jumping Bean. That supports our local community. That employs people who live on our street. And like, we've gotten to know them. We know their names. Wow. And it's great. Um, and I, again, it's just one little small I'm sharing this story just to own that I don't do this perfectly to give a tiny example of where I know I can be better at investing in my local community. Uh, But I'm going to shut up and let you actually answer the question, which is why are you so passionate and why should people be passionate and invest in their local community? Yeah. So it honestly stems from love thy neighbor as thyself. And, Mm -hmm. um, this can go really deep, really quick, but essentially I was bullied for a really, really long time. And so when I say that like literally everything I do has to do with creating community so no one is alone, misunderstood, unsupported, I mean that because I felt that for a really long time. Um, and I, I'm really intentional about creating communities, but also I would never want jumping being to feel like I didn't support them or like their vision or cause they they're in my community. And like, I don't know, like you don't know if they're living down the street from you and one day they're going to help you like watch your kids, you know? So I think for me, if we don't um, prioritize our communities and support each other, 
who's going to? I think that's where it is for me. And like, it's, I'm going to be with you. Like, it's really hard to give up Starbucks. I've also given up Starbucks recently and it, it, it feels like it tastes different when it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but I think for me, I, every time I have the inkling to go, I'm like, they have tons of money. They are supported. And I know my local one is not in that same position and, and, and needs my support to stay open. Mm-hmm. And that's what I just, you know, and, 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 and even like when I want to use Amazon or what, I'm like always trying, you know, and, but it's hard. I'm going to be really honest. It's hard. And I think the best thing we can do and what I do to make sure I'm constantly centered on community. Um, and I want to be clear that activism part to me is acting within your community. So you're a community activist when you prioritize jumping bean. Mm. People make it this bigger thing that like it just isn't in mm. my opinion. We can all be community activists, um, even with, you know, oh, she's political. Like, I think at this point, we've realized that politics is in everything we do. It's right. all of our interactions. And we really need to take off those labels. So I think it, it's making it intimidating. Hmm. It, it just isn't. It's in literally everything I do. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and I think, like, I just am constantly acting, asking, like, how am I being a good steward? I mean, we can go to the, of, like, what the community got is, I, don't, I didn't live here on my own doing. God placed me here and in any further way, like I want to be a good neighbor to them. Like they're going to be a good neighbor to me. Mm-hmm. What we put out is what we receive. Mm. Um, and I, and I, I want that. I want that energy. Yeah. I think that's what it is for me. It's, it's about, it's about how the decisions we're making and how we're, I'm always thinking about social impact. Yeah. And like not, and I think it takes away from the individualist role. I, I, so I, I try really hard not to individualize anything. So it's not about, I want this policy to pass because it makes me feel good because A, B, and C. It's like, for most of society, the majority, what, what's, how does this benefit us together, not mm-hmm. individual? Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Um, yeah. But it's hard because of those little moments where, honestly, I just really want to sell to caramel mocha because right. it makes me feel better. Right. And I have it at my local one. Right. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. It's almost like, so I, I think if I'm hearing you correctly to be a community activist, it's as simple as making tiny choices, possibly tiny pivots in your life to investing your time, your energy, your money, your whatever resources into your local community um, because it really is an investment. Cause like you said, you see a return on that investment. Like when you build your, you know, build into your community, then I mean, it flourishes. As little, little as and I'll wrap myself out again. Like I used to, and this is so horrible. And if anyone comes after me for this, I'm like a, I used to litter all the time. Cause <gasps> I was lazy. I wouldn't find a garbage can if I'm at my house. That's insane. You know? And I just like, and now just realizing like, if, why am I going to be mad about things that are messy or dirty around or like whatever? If I'm not putting that energy out there. Right. It's my responsibility too, you know? And like, how do I know how this is impacting someone's air or like the quality of life? You just have to really think beyond, I'm too lazy to find the garbage can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So whether it's picking up trash, whether it's going to your local coffee shop, whether it's uh, instead of, you know, maybe you become a volunteer at a local school and you read with a kid once a week. I mean, again, we're talking about times outside of COVID with, with all of this stuff going on. It's a bit Just more steps difficult. outside of self and, yeah. and, and investing into the, 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 the community you live in. And like yeah. community can be defined different ways, right? Some people say it's their block. 
for me, it's my neighborhood. I live in South Shore now and I'm so blessed. Um, for other people, it, you know, it just, it just depends. I think sometimes we like to say our community is just our friend group. Mm. Back on that one. Yeah. But I think community sometimes wasn't like self-chosen and handpicked by you. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I have felt that more than ever since we moved into this house that we currently live in, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, because we have really been intentional to befriend our neighbors, like our physical neighbors, um, not just my neighbor friends, like the people that, that I'm friends with that live a few miles away, you know, but like truly like my neighbors, um, we like do exchanging of meals and like my neighbor, Lori will always in the summertime bring over fresh, um, produce from her garden. And it's like, it's just been such a gift and something that I hadn't experienced. And I didn't know if it was like, I'm experiencing it now because I'm in the city. Well, no, because I've been in the city. It's like, it, it was definitely because of the intentional decision that we were going to go out of our way when we first moved in to go meet our neighbors. We like knocked on the doors of the people on both sides of us and across the street and like introduce ourselves. And then it just has been cool. We've been able to cultivate um, a friendship and yeah, Lori even babysits our kids and she's wonderful. And um you know, at, at the time of recording this, I could go into labor at any point. And Lori's the first person that's like on standby for our kids, even if it's in the middle of the night. So it's just really beautiful and special. Um, I, I love that so much. As we, as we wrap up our conversation, I want to also touch base on two questions that I am so eager to hear your answer on, which, um, has to do specifically about being politically informed. Okay. Because I think a lot of us feel overwhelmed by the amount of conflicting information that's out there, or we feel ashamed for how little we've paid attention to politics or government or whatever growing up. So we feel behind. Okay. I'm speaking for myself, but hopefully I'm not the only one. Uh, what is one tangible way Ivy, that an individual like myself could take to become more politically informed? Yeah, so this is really easy. So every um, area that we live in either has a local council, no matter where you are, a state council, no matter where you are, and a federal council. So when I say, I'm saying council just so it's like lay language, but it's really like in Chicago, it would be your alderman, which oversees your ward, your state senator, your house rep representative, and then you also, then you have a national who are the people in Congress with Trump who are like your Congress people. Mm-hmm. So all of those people to me are the most well-informed on what's going on because mm-hmm. they're going through it mm-hmm. and they get the, the, it's time sensitive information. Right? So for me, it's like, if you want a first step, easy step, pick one of those levels, go to their website, sign up on their email list, and you will get updates that are accurate. I love that. Yeah. I need to find out who my alderman is and then sign up for emails. Yeah. I will say a little caveat because I'm just trying to be fair here. Yeah. Um, We are in a very, very uh, Democrat city. So if you're a Republican listening, um, you may not like the uh, framing on some of the information, but then there's always, you can always go to the list and find a Republican or an uh, an alderman that aligns with whatever you believe a little bit more. Um, Yeah. And there's people listening. Yeah. And there's people that don't live in the city of Chicago, obviously, who are listening to this and they might not have an alderman, but they have different local officials. And and you're saying basically find the website, try to subscribe to updates. That way, at least on a local level, you can stay more informed. Um, That is a great way. I like that because sometimes it gets overwhelming. 
they have town halls. So like they also have meetings where you can go and be in community and see your neighbors and ask questions. And when we're out of the pandemic, you, you can always contact them for a meeting and ask them whatever you want to ask them. Yeah, that's great. Um, I love that. And many of my listeners, like myself even, I think we underestimate sometimes the difference that we can make in our community um, or in the world at large. So what's one piece, I'd love for you to leave us at the table today with one piece of advice or encouragement um, that you would give for any of us who are looking to leverage or spend our privilege well. Absolutely. So I think that in um, in the wake of everything that's going on, um, we've learned that racism exists and it's bad. I don't think that can be um, disputed at this time. It's just about how do we handle it? What do we do? What does our everyday, uh, everyday life advocacy look like? And I really believe that in the everyday, if you see racism done or said or in any way acted out, you see it, you're there. I think that if you are a person of privilege and you're able to, you can say, would you do such say that if it was me? Mm. Period. That's good. Regardless of if they answer or not, your message got through. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to tuck that away or write it down, sit with it for a little bit, possibly practice it a couple times in the mirror so that I don't, uh, stammer over my words, but that is, that is good. I like that. Um, thank you so much, Ivy. This was so helpful. It was so encouraging and, and so informative. I'm excited for, um, all that's to come with heart for change and everything else that, that will evolve in your future. It's, it's <laughs> cool to see, um, how it already has and will continue to. And for those of you listening, we're going to link her Instagram and her website and all of that so that you'll know how to find her and, um, maybe hire her as a consultant or Absolutely. just continue to learn from her. Like heart I, for change, the number four.com. Yes. Yes. So we'll put all that in the show notes and, um, Yeah. Thank you so much. This was really invaluable. So love you, girl. No, thank you. This is great. 